Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, we're back. I like that smell you can't quite place until you look under your shoe and you notice the dog shit which is kind of stuck in the grooves that's us the anarchist world this week we will not go away my name's joseph scarner i'm hosting today's program this is our 39th year no not of life on the planet earth but of hosting uh, programs associated with the anarchist world this week now First of all, on a serious note, one of our long-time listeners, I think almost over 30 years, uh, Richard Tate, who may be known to some of the listeners, is uh, uh, undergoing chemotherapy uh, currently. He seems to be doing reasonably well, uh, but uh, Richard's in his 80s. He's an activist. He's been an activist for many, many years, and um, we wish him all the best in his uh, current battle and uh, the current um, doses of chemotherapy he's uh, receiving. He seems to be doing reasonably well, considering his age and the uh, seriousness of the uh, problem he faces. So uh, if you know Richard, give him a call. Make him feel a bit better. Okay, listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. That's what we're listening to. Now, what are we going to talk about today? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Panama Papers or no Panama Papers, business as usual for the corporate world. Nothing seems to change, does it? Nothing seems to change. It doesn't matter how disgusting the rev- you know things are, nothing seems to change. And that's the problem, isn't it? Because you can kind of waste your time on Instagram and writing letters and emailing people and taking part in chat rooms and twittering away and clicking, you know, you know, being a click activist and getting RSI of your forefinger. You can write letters... You can bitch to your neighbour over the back fence if you've got a back fence or in the corridors if you live in an apartment complex. You can bash your head 
you can throw a shoe through the TV, you can, you know, laugh yourself to death on YouTube. But have you noticed as long as it's a private pleasure, as long as it's a private pleasure, it doesn't really matter what you think. And it's business as usual. Now, if you look at all the scandals that have broken regarding the corporate world in the last six months, and these are things we've been talking about for years. These are not new, but the fact that they are now in the public you know, realm. You like that? The public realm. Not just idiots like you and me talking about it, but it's in the public realm. And you've got television programs and documentaries and people waxing lyrical about what should be done. And guess what? It doesn't change. And it doesn't change for one very good reason. And that's you. Yep, you. Me. The collective we. Because during the past 40 years, during the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution that has swept Australia and changed the very way people think to such an extent that most people don't even know there's such a concept as a public interest. During this period, we have seen so many changes that have that have basically assisted one section of society that small section that owns that means of production distribution exchange and communication on every available statistical indicator the gap between the haves and the thieves that's the you know the haves the thieves and the have nots the exploited has grown. We now have the ridiculous situation in one of the uh, most, uh, you know, uh, greatest uh, nations on the planet Earth, not the universe, but planet Earth, that 1% of the population owned 40% of the wealth and 40% of the population owned 1% of the wealth. That half a dozen people have more wealth and the 33% of people on Social Security benefits who need to exist on Social Security benefits. And what's extraordinary is that in Australian life, we are missing. The Australian people are missing. You don't see the Australian people in their tens of thousands out on the streets carrying on about what's occurring. You don't see tens of thousands of Australian people thinking that change is possible. Because we've now reached the situation where 99.9% of the population believes, honestly believes, that change is impossible. But there's no point fighting against City Hall there's no point doing anything because nothing is ever 
going to change. And it's this type of attitude which plays into the hands of the very people who are making hay while you are expected to live off live off the crumbs that are brushed off occasionally off the corporate table. So if you're not actively trying to involved in activities which attempt to cut the leg off the corporate table so that there is, you know, cake for everyone, then you are ultimately part of your own problem. And that's a dilemma. For far too long, we have believed that if we fight up, if we use the right channels, if we work up the right channels, if we do it the way we're told we should do it, that these problems will be resolved. They won't. And they won't be resolved until people in this country not just wake up, because everybody's aware of what's going on, but actually start taking action to make their dissatisfaction felt. Not just as some media stunt, but as a real mass movement. And that doesn't occur because there's no discussion about options. It's as if we are living in a corporate Islamic state. There is only one God in corporate Australia, and that's Mammon. That is the only God. It is the only God. It is the only thing that matters. And everything is channeled into that way. So I can hear you say, well, Joe, what are you doing? What are you doing about this? Well, I do as much as I can as part of a small group that attempts on a regular basis to raise these issues on a broader level. The dilemma is, although there are a lot of issues, inverted commas, in the public realm, there's never any discussion about class and society. There's never any discussion about wealth. There's never any discussion about power. It just doesn't occur. I mean, we're happy, you know, to be serenaded by the peripheral on a daily basis. And we race off on this tangent and that tangent, supporting this cause and that cause, and not actually using our strengths and our abilities and our intelligence and our physical prowess to change, to herald in much-needed change. So, what can you do? Well, let's look at a few things. The first thing is, there is a battle of ideas going out out there, but it's a battle that revolves around accepting there is only one way, only one way, only one correct way to deal with the situation. And that is to have 
corporations dominate not just the economic fields, but every aspect of our existence. And the best way is to make an accommodation with them. I'll give you an example. Currently, there's a little bit of a balloon going up because there's going to be an election in a few months' time. Whereas the 2nd of July or later, it'll occur, right? It's going to be a federal election. And it's interesting to note, despite, despite the avalanche of corporate scandals that, are, that have hit the uh, corporate-owned media and the government guild at ABC, that we still have the two major parties at level pegging. It's quite extraordinary when you think about it. Let's look at some of these scandals, you know. Vocational education. The biggest scandal since time immemorial. It involves hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars of public money. What we saw was the privatisation of vocational education and the destruction, the literal destruction of technical colleges, publicly owned technical colleges. And we've seen the growth of a myriad of private colleges providing vocational education whose major aim is not to educate people who sign up, but his major aim is to line their pockets with taxpayers' money. Extraordinary situation that's been going on for a number of years and only in the last 24 hours has there been one raid on one office. I mean, these people have pocketed in fraudulent activities which are directly linked to the privatisation of education. Because when you allow the private sector to dominate education, whether it's tertiary education or vocational education or primary education or secondary education, their major responsibility is not the students they're teaching or their responsibility to the community. Their major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. And we have seen a classical thing, you know, classical, classical textbook analysis. You know, it's classical. Look at when we had an employment office in this country, a government-owned employment office. It may not have been brilliant, but what we now have is a number of privately owned employment officers whose major task is not to make the unemployed employable or to find jobs for the unemployed, whose major task is to siphon taxpayer money into the pockets of the individuals and companies that own these privately owned so-called employment agencies who rely mainly on taxpayers' money to fund their activities. Extraordinary. And you've got this in every sector. Ad nauseum. Every sector. Look at so-called public health. 
so much of public health has been outsourced to privately owned companies that what we are seeing now is the draining of taxpayers' money, the draining of taxpayers' money from the public health sector into privately outsourced companies which are providing services to the public health sector like food, cleaning, catering, diagnostic services, wards help, and the list goes on and on. And they talk about a public health system. And this is a conscious attempt to enrich those who already have enough. I'll give you another example. You know, everybody bitches about immigration. That's what I love about when you go to public interest before corporate interest dues, and we have a lot of them. It's amazing. And the great thing about public interest before corporate interest, it gives us the opportunity to talk to ordinary Australians about what the issues are for them and their families, their children, their friends, and who they blame for the situation we find ourselves in. Now, it has been government policy over the last three decades to create a big Australia through immigration. And while the Abbots and the Howards of the world's and the shortens of the world rail against boat people and refugees, we find that the majority of new people who come into this country is from immigration. 250,000 a year. And what's the... Not refugees who form less than 5% of the immigration uptake. And if you listen to most people, you think we've been overrun by refugees. Just extraordinary how... And then when people are going about their, their, their day-to-day business, they tend to point the finger at the other. You know, they go into a service station. They don't understand that service stations, labour is subcontract contracted to these service stations you know, that are owned by three or four major corporations, you know, but some labour hire companies, right, who will obviously will put in people they can pay the least. And they think, oh, he's taken my job. Well, he hasn't taken your job or she hasn't taken your job. Your job has been taken and your children's job has been taken by the fact that this government and the previous government and the previous government introduced legislation to allow workers to come in this country under 457 visas and a variety of other visas to actually do non-skilled and unskilled work. It's not the fault of the person who takes up that opportunity. It's the fault of a government whose major aim was to do two things. One, to put downward pressure on wages. And over the last five years, there's been no increase in wages for most people. And people can feel that. Downward pressure on wages. Make us a low-wage economy. And more importantly of all, introduce 
a docile workforce which is non-unionised to break the power of the unions. That's the situation. Every day we're faced with that situation. Every single day. So these are political decisions which have been made by governments in the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders. This is not an issue of race. It's an issue of economics. It's an issue of power. It's an issue of government saying one thing while doing another thing. I'll give you another example. And this is, this is classic. Now, how many times have you seen some maggot get up, you know, from the political class, beat their breast and say, we will determine who enters this country. Sovereign borders is at the very heart of our political program. Everybody goes, clap, 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 clap. What a strong leader. While, while garnering a few headlines and votes by, you know, smashing a few refugees around the head and putting them in a room in Manus Island, at the same time, we've had both Labor and Liberal governments sign a whole host of three trade agreements. You like that? I call them corporate trade agreements. They're not three trade agreements. They're corporate trade agreements. Corporate trade agreements which remove the power of a sovereign nation state to in, you know, put in place legislation which looks after the interests of the people they represent. Because if you've got a corporate trade agreement with another nation state and you pass legislation to improve the lives of your people and that legislation impinges on the profits of that corporation trading in this country, you, the citizen, you through your government, are liable. That's right, liable for any to make up ec- any economic loss that corporation may make. You know that. Extraordinary. And they talk about sovereign borders when they're willing just to give away everything for the sake of corporations investing in this country and making a few extra bucks and maybe employing a few people along the way on minimum wages. Extraordinary. This is Australia in 2016. This is the corporate wonderland, the corporate Disneyland that you are a part of. Because... In a corporate capitalist culture, and that's what we've got, a corporate capitalist culture, the three C's, corporate capitalist culture, you're not a citizen with rights and responsibilities. You're not a resident with rights and responsibilities. You have three functions. Three functions in corporate Australia as a citizen. And that's why they call you a customer when you go into a bloody government office. You know, the first thing you should say is, I'm not a bloody customer, mate. I'm a citizen. I'm a resident. Right? You treat me with the respect I deserve. I'm not a bloody customer. 
His only right they have is to complain and whinge and carry on. So there are three things we need to do in a corporate capitalist culture. We need to consume. That is our major aim. That is the essence of existence. In corporate Australia 2016, consumption. And if you ain't got the money to consume, you can borrow the money to consume and you can consume finances. In some cases at extraordinary interest rates, when you know when official rates are less than 2%. So you consume and you consume as much as you can and get into debt as much as you can so you can continue to consume. And the second thing you need to do is you need to defecate. That's right, you need to shit. And lastly, and most importantly at all, of all, as you go older and you rely on your superannuation funds to survive, don't forget. Don't forget to die quietly. We don't want any of those disgraceful golden oldies standing up for themselves, standing up for their community, standing up as citizens in this country. We don't want that type. We just want you to die quietly and worry every day about how your superannuations go up and down. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Scano. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com. Anarchistage at yahoo.com. And you can leave messages on 0439 395 489. Now let's let us just move on because, you know, somebody needs to tell it as it is. You need to tell it as it is because if you don't tell it as it is, there's never going to be any cry for change. Superannuation, the biggest con since federation. Now we're told the state cannot look after the interests of an ageing population that has paid taxes all their lives. So we need to put in place in the 1990s a system of forced savings so that the elderly can look after themselves financially and not on a burden on the taxpayer because they're not on an old age pension. That's the story. That's the story we're told. So where happens to the trillions of dollars, $2 trillion, which are in superannuation funds today? Over 70% of that money is invested in the stock market. That's right. You could lose half your nest egg in a few weeks if things go belly up. But the whole purpose of superannuation was not actually to provide a retirement income for the elderly because as far as the superannuation system is today, it's basically a tax lurk for the rich and it's the elderly poor, the working poor and people on wages, ordinary wages, 
who will never have enough money in their superannuation funds to look after themselves in old age. But the whole purpose of superannuation was to provide a pool of money, a readily available pool of money for the stock market. That's its major function. If it wasn't, you could have legislation in place to actually use that money to create infrastructure. You could have legislation in place to use, say, 1% of that money as seeding funding to create collectives and cooperatives, a third economic system outside the public sector, outside the private sector. And the list goes on and on. Just extraordinary. And we accept it. We think, oh, well, you know, I've got to wait till I'm old and then when I'm old, I'll get my superannuation and then I'll die quietly. But when I get old, I'm going to worry every day because it's going to go up and it's going to go down and it's going to go up, it's going to go down. What a way to live your, live your life. Extraordinary. And... And that's the thing. The other thing is, as I said before, Panama Papers or no Panama Papers, business as usual for the corporate world. Look at Mr Palmer and the machinations of his companies. But look further afield. For decades, not a year, not a month, not a decade, but for decades... The corporate sector in this country has been paying voluntary taxation. I mean, some of these maggots, corporate leeches and maggots, are so adept at fiddling the system, like Mr Rupert Murdoch, not that I would compare him to a maggot or a leech, because at least they're useful. I would never denigrate a maggot or a leech by comparing Murdoch to them. He's in a realm of his own, division of his own, genus of his own, species of his own. Receives an $886 million tax refund in 2013 while his company makes hundreds, hundreds of millions of dollars of profit. And then we have all these major corporations paying voluntary taxation. Google, Apple, Microsoft, IKEA, Chevron, good corporate citizens, they paid $286 tax last year. BHP, Billiton with their Singapore sling and their Panama Papers, Rio Tinto, the list goes on and on and on. And guess what, boys and girls? Guess what, boys and girls? It seems as if, you know, we are at a uh, preschools, aren't we? we pre- they treat us like bloody preschoolers. Preschoolers, you know, get a little bit more respect than we citizens get. I mean, I think we're fools. Because they do it legally. They do it legally. They don't need to be corrupt. They don't need... To fiddle the system. I mean, Mr. Rupert Murdoch got an $886 million refund, tax refund while making hundreds of millions of dollars of profit legally. Chevron paid $286 tax legally. IKEA pays 3% tax legally. 
It's all done legally. And you think to yourself, what's the point of having a government? We may as well abolish government, save some money and just let the corporations actually set up parliament because they are this country's parliament today. They are the kingmakers. They are the ones who decide who's going to be elevated to the prime ministership, which political party is going to, you know, wave the wand for the next three years. Just extraordinary. Extraordinary. We have a political system, a so-called parliamentary democracy, which has been usurped. That's right, usurped. The power's been usurped by a handful of companies and individuals whose major responsibility is to make ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, and we're told we live in a democratic society. I'll go on, but at the minute I'm going to digress. I will digress. It's about doing things, isn't it? I mean, we're always organising things in the anarchist world this week for people to get involved in. You know, we're always initiating struggles which then get their own independence and grow and, you know, mature and have an impact like public interest before corporate interests. Currently we have 684 members, memberships growing. We registered as a political party by the end of the year. Why register as a political party? Because sometimes you need to tango. You need to have a Tats Lotto ticket to win the lottery. doesn't matter what the odds are. Somebody wins the lottery every time. So... A few campaigns. The first thing I'd like to remind our listeners is that this May Day, the 1st of May, we will be having a May Day march and we will be joining with the official May Day march. I'll talk about it more about it next week. So set aside the 1st of May. Set it aside. Join us at Federation Square and then march with us down Swanson Street to Trades Hall to join the major May Day march, but I'll tell you more details about that. So put it in your diary. Don't. It's a Sunday. No excuse, unless obviously you're one of those poor retail workers whose overtime payments they're trying to remove. That's right. And then my little Toscano for Dunkley foray. Make the 1% pay 1%. Now, is this... Is this Don Quixote tilting at windmills or is it something more? Now, you will notice that political movements come and go. They only come and go when there are people that become involved in those political movements. When people move from click activism and whinging to uh, being part of something a bit bigger. Now, as public interest before corporate interest, we're not, we're not going to meet the deadline for the next federal election to be registered as a political party. I mean, a decision was made to launch the Toscano for Dunkley campaign. Now, Dunkley is the electorate in the southern suburbs of Melbourne, which incorporates some of the richest and some of the poorest people in Australia in the same electorate. It's an electorate of over 99,000 people. It incorporates people in Langwarren, parts of Baxter, Mornington, Mount Eliza, Frankston, Oliver's Hill, Frankston South, Frankston North, uh, Seaford. And we've decided to concentrate our effort in one House of Representative 
seat because of the changes which have occurred in the Senate voting processes, which basically have given the Senate courtesy of the Australian Greens to the Liberal National Party. So what we want to do is use this next federal election as a springboard for future activities and make the 1% pay 1%. Vote 1 for Joseph Toscano is part of that campaign. And the campaign revolves around one idea. One idea. I mean, I've got personal opinions about everything, you know that. And so have you. we all got personal opinions about everything. But this campaign is about raising over $150 billion every year from the corporate sector and using that money to bankroll public health, public housing, public education, public infrastructure, public uh, resource energy, uh, energy uh, generating facilities, and the list goes on and on. And that's what this campaign is about. It's about changing the axis of the debate, an axis which is currently set, believe it or not, by newspapers every day, and that's why Murdoch continues to bankroll the Australian, a national, the only national newspaper in this country that has never made a profit in its 51 years' existence. And the campaign revolves around the introduction of four pieces of parliamentary legislation that don't need a revolution. All they need is political representatives who are willing to put the interests of the people they represent before the interests of unaccountable corporations, before the interests of the party that pre-selects them. And we'll talk about that in a minute. It's based on four concepts, which you've heard on this program before, but we're going to bring them in together in one lump. A 1% stock market turnover tax. That would raise $30 billion a year. What's the problem with the stock market paying a bit of money? If you know, if you got if you got money, you know, to play on the stock market, one percent's not going to hurt you. And if you're one of these people who say, "Oh my God, my holiday to Rome's going to be ruined because my superannuation benefits will decrease when I retire when I'm sixty-five or ninety-two," well, think again. Isn't more important to have a good public health system and a good pharmaceutical scheme? that looks after your health care needs when you're more likely to become sick as you get older and pay that 1% from your pathetic superannuation than actually, you know, think it's the end of the known world. And let's not forget that 10%, 10% of superannuants, the richest 10% gain the most from the superannuation. So 1% stock market turnover tax too. A 1% turnover tax for companies with a yearly turnover of more than $2 million. That would raise $30 billion per year. Now, whenever we hear about corporate taxation, whenever we hear about we hear about the way, the creative ways these maggots, and my apologies to maggots and leeches who are listening to this program today, we hear about the creative way these maggots you know, um, avoid 
Legally, they're responsibilities. But you can't avoid a turnover tax. 1% turnover tax. If you turn over more than $2 million, 1%. You turn over a billion dollars, 1%. And the list goes on and on. And why $2 million is the cutoff point? Because that will exclude most of the small businesses in this country that are owned by families and individuals because most of them don't have a $2 million turnover. How about introducing a 1% financial services tax for every transaction above $50,000 excluding the family home? That would raise $40 billion a year. Now, I'm sure most of our listeners wouldn't be, uh, you know, uh, been involved in activities where they're flogging this, using more than $50,000 on a single financial transaction. But every time one of our little corporations takes some money offshore, every time it attempts to repatriate all that beautiful money it's made in this country to its tax haven in the Cayman Islands or Ireland or wherever else, 1%. Bingo, 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 bingo. And lastly, and this is something most people don't understand, it's very simple, exceptionally simple, and you could introduce this legislation tomorrow. Do you know that when you go shopping and you pay your GST and you pay your electricity and your gas... Guess what? You cannot claim that GST as a tax deduction if you're a Social Security beneficiary or pays your own taxpayer. But do you know that if you're a company or individual involved in business, you claim every cent you've paid as GST as a tax deduction? And that's why, although there's a 10% GST, the amount of money which goes to the states to provide basic services doesn't meet the need. So why don't we remove GST tax deductions for companies that have a yearly turnover greater than $5 million? That would raise $50 billion a year, and there's $150 billion. Hmm? Why not? Why not? Sensible, easy, simple, no blood in the streets, no revolution, a few pieces of legislation, bingo, resolve the issues, resolve many of the issues we're faced with today. So if you're interested in the Toscano for Dunkley campaign, if you are interested, you don't have to be interested. I mean, we do what we can in as many areas as possible. Obviously, the influence we have is minuscule, but there is an influence. It may be minuscule, but there is an influence. So if you want to help, and I'll go into ways where people can help next week, you can go to toscano4dunkley.com. That's the number four, toscano, T-O-S-C-A-N-A, for dunkleycom and see what we're all about. Or you can even Twitter us or go to the Facebook t- page, but embarrassed by this Toscano for Dunkley Facebook page and the Toscano for Dunkley Twitter stream. And the list goes on and on. 
You can always write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And if you want to join something a little bit more, with a little bit more substance of more people than the Toscano for Dunkley campaign, which will come and go, it'll hopefully have an impact in the Dunkley. We're attempting to get a 5% vote, at least to act as a springboard for other public interest before corporate interest activities in the near future. But uh, you can go to the Pipsy website, pipsy.net, or the Pipsy Facebook page, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. Very simple. And if you're interested in Pipsy, we're having a, a birthday party, first-year birthday party, which should have over 700 members by then, down at Seaford in Melbourne, 24th of April, 11am to 2pm at the Seaford Farmers Market Reserve, Station Street, Seaford, very close, within a 50 metres of the uh, Seaford Railway Station. So you can actually get there by train, you can get there by bus, you can walk down there if you're a local, you can drive down there. So 11am to 2pm, bring some food and drinks to add to the communal table. That's at 11am to 2pm, Sunday the 24th of April. There'll be... uh, one, it's to uh, celebrate the uh, first anniversary of public interest before corporate interests. About to give an update about where we are regarding registration as a political party. And also it'll be the official launch of the Toscano for Dunkley. Make the 1% pay 1% campaign. So uh, that's the way it is. That's, that's just one thing, you know. You can't do everything, but at least you need to get involved. Even if you get a sign, you put corporate bludgers, you stand outside a corporate office someday, you won't, you know, you won't lose. You're a winner because you've got out. You've saved your finger from click activism, RSI click activism. You've saved your eyes from watching all that YouTube garbage and you save your brain from all that shit that passes in informed commentary in the corporate-owned media and to a lesser degree in the uh, government guild at ABC. Now, just in case you're interested, 15th of April, Wednesday the 15th of April, and I assume many people listening to this program Wednesday the 15th of April, is it the National Day of Emergency to End Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. And although Aboriginal deaths in custody may be stable and may have even slightly decreased, let's not forget that uh, we have the highest rate of incarceration of Indigenous people in the world. In sub-jurisdictions, the prison population is 20 to 30%, when the Indigenous uh, population is only 2 to 3% in that particular state. So this is something that we really need to keep in focus. There's a lot of things we need to keep in focus and we need to you know, make up our minds what we're going to do, who we're going to support, where we're going to put our energy. You can't do everything. You can do some things. You may find some of the things we promote. You may find, ah, well, what's the point? Then look for something else because there is a point in becoming an active citizen because... Think about it. Two or three centuries ago, when the anti-slavery movement began, you know, it was initiated by the Quakers, we were told it would be end of civilization 
as we knew it if we got rid of slaves. And was it the end of civilization as we knew it? It wasn't. But somebody had to initiate that campaign. I mean, we're human beings. We've got wants, we've got desires, hopes and aspirations. Sometimes horrible things happen. Mothers murder children. Fathers murder children. Children murder parents. People are abused institutionally as well as you know, individually. And the list goes on and on. A lot of horrible things happen in life. But, but, we do have options. And we need to pursue those options. And that's what I love about living in the land of the, of, of the uh, I was going to say the long white cloud, that's New Zealand, Aotearoa. My apologies. The land of milk and honey, that's us. The land of Oz, the land down under, the great south land. You know, that's us. The great thing is about living here that nobody actually seems to take up those options. There are options. There are always options. You need to have a little bit of imagination, a little bit of push, a little bit of desire, and your input doesn't have to be financial. People say, oh, I've got any money. Fine. We don't want your money. What we want is your time. I haven't got any time. Well, can you make five minutes, brother or sister? Can you lend me a dime? You know, that's the, that's, the, that's the situation, isn't it? You do have options. You may think you've got no options. We don't live in a totalitarian state. I mean, you can hear people like me on a daily basis through the community radio network. We don't live in a totalitarian state at this point in time. You do have certain options. But the lemma is we've lost the ability to exercise those options. We are so dispirited as a people that we just are so privatised in our everyday existence that we think it's all about us and the few people around them, that we forget we're part of a wider community, we're part of a society where there is a public interest. And we think there's no point. What's the point? What's the point? Every day people say to me, what's the point, Joe? Why are you wasting your time? Why don't you go down and live in the south of Spain and enjoy your, your old age? Why are you growing old disgracefully? Why not go on a cruise, you know? Or live in a retirement village. What's the point? Of course there's point. Things change. Everything that we take for granted in this country today, every right, every liberty, from overtime payments, from the ability to, you know, be able to talk to you on the radio, didn't come because some god or some leader or some politician gave it to us. It came through the blood, sweat and tears and in many cases the lives of people who believed that ultimate political authority doesn't lie in the hands of the state, it doesn't lie in the hands of the institutions, it doesn't lie in the hands of the bureaucracy, it doesn't lie in the hands of religious institutions, it doesn't lie in the hands of the corporate sector. But ultimate political authority rests in the hands of the people. 
It comes from a belief that we are all born with inalienable rights and liberties that nobody can legislate away or take away. And that is the basis of all action. That is that belief in the self, in the ability of the individual with the assistance of other individuals, in the collective will to make change or make hope, which is the love child of desire and expectation, make hope a reality. And it only comes, as I keep saying, ad nauseum, and I'm sure you've all switched off by now, that it comes from you standing up, saying enough is enough, and beginning to take action. It doesn't matter if it's as simple as holding a little poster which you've hand-drawn yourself outside a corporate head office or a Centrelink office saying enough is enough. Thank you for listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia and the Community Radio Network. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. You can write to me at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052, Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can email me at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. Don't forget, don't forget the 1st of May, we'll be having an action in Melbourne uh, where we will do an action before the official march and then join up with the official march. I'll talk about that next week because May Day in Melbourne has always and will always be an anarchist activity. It was the anarchists who initiated May Day in Melbourne on the 1st of May 1886 for the Melbourne Anarchist Club. Public interest before corporate interest, join now. Nearly 700 members, go to pipsy.net, download an application form, go to the Facebook page, public interest before corporate interest. Come along to the picnic at Seaford at 11am on Sunday the 24th. All the information's on the website. If you want to write to us, same address, Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Dunk, uh, Toscano for Dunkley, go to the Facebook page, go to the website, Twitter away, give us a ring. The list goes on and on. It's up to you. You make up your mind what you think is worthwhile. But if you see me and you ring me, don't complain because the first thing I'll ask you is what have you done about it or what are you going to do about it? Thank you once again to the Community Radio Network for broadcasting the anarchist world this week across this country. It is heard in every state in Australia I don't think it's heard in the ACT. I'm not sure. It used to be. may still be. I'll have to check. And the number again, 0439 395 489. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, next week, on your local community radio station, courtesy of the Community Radio Network. Evil minds that plot destruction Death's construction. An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World this week. Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord!